I'm going to ask you if you have your Bible today to open up to Isaiah chapter 62. Isaiah chapter 62. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3. Isaiah 62. And I'm going to read it through first. The word of God reads as follows. For Zion's sake I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest. Until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness, and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all the kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name, which is the mouth, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. And thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of God. One of the things I've been saying all along is we don't need another conference, do we? Right? There are conferences that are in abundance. But what we do need is a genuine move of God. We need God to move once again in the church. We need God to move once again in the believer's that comprised the church. Here we see in Isaiah chapter 62, we see Israel. And Israel is in a state of decline. And these are dark hours in Israel's history. And this chapter is a call by the prophet Isaiah to rouse the nation, to rouse the nation of Israel and stir them to do something about the situation that they find themselves in. Look how verse 1 begins. For Zion's sake, for Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. Here we see the prophet, and he knows very distinctly what the name of Zion is and what the name of Jerusalem is. Zion is the beautiful city of God. In Jerusalem is the city of the great king. And there is a zealousness for it. A zealousness for the dwelling place of God. A zealousness for the name of God. And notice what he says here. He says it is for Zion's sake, it's for Jerusalem's sake, that he's going to do something. What is he going to do? He's not going to hold his peace. He's going to make it known. He's going to speak. And he will not rest. Until when? Until the righteousness thereof goes forth as brightness. There's no mystery if you look at the church in the western world. That the church is languishing. And I don't want to, I don't dare say all churches because I don't want to offend anybody. But by and large, if you look at the state of the church, we have more Bible colleges, we have more seminaries, we have more videos, we have more commentaries, we have more books, perhaps than any other time in history. But something is lacking. Power is lacking. Glory, the glory of God is lacking. I fear that many churches 
across this land and across the world have Ichabod written across the front. The glory of God has departed. This was the scene in Israel. This was the scene in Judah. I was talking with someone recently and we were talking about revival and they said, well, I don't believe there's going to be a great revival. I, I just don't believe it. You know, I don't think there's going to be another great awakening. And I was thinking to myself as they were saying that, if we continue on the same course that we're going, what you said is probably true. And if we look here in verse 1, Isaiah makes a beautiful statement. I will not hold my peace. I will not rest. And the same holds true for the lovers of Christ today. We, as believers in Jesus Christ, we cannot grow tired. We cannot grow weary. We must be burdened for the glory of God, for the glory of Christ. We must be burdened. That's not a choice. There's too much contentment. We are satisfied. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this in one of his books. He goes, we have become so accustomed to the church that we know that we know nothing of the glory of, of the church that preceded us. And I could speak for me that I have a deep aching in my soul to see the glory of Christ return to the church. We have heard the stories, have we not? Haven't we heard the stories? We've read about great revivals, great moves of God, great men of God that have done great things for the Lord. And one of the most incredible things is there's a tendency to believe that in order for revival to occur, that everything has to be right. But if you study the history of revival, it has always come forth when it is dark. What was the motto of the Reformation? Out of darkness, light. But we must be burdened. We must have that. How shall we remain quiet? How shall we hold our peace in these times? If you always look at the prophets, the prophets were always concerned with the spiritual state of Israel, but not the rest of the world. And you look at the church today. We align ourselves with political parties. We align ourselves with cultural moves. But what of the church? What of the glory of God? That is the most important thing. That is the paramount thing. You know, as I pray all the time, I, I say, Lord, we, we seek your face. We desire revival, but we don't desire it for some kind of momentary thrill. We're not, we're not looking for some type of experience, but that God would descend and with God would descend holiness. And the church would, would go back to the purity of the church. And that believers would come back to the purity of Christ. And that we would live, and if we're living holy, if we're living right, look what the prophet says, he's not going to rest until the righteousness thereof 
go forth as what? As brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. Remember that little Sunday school song we used to sing? Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Church, the only way we're going to burn for Christ is if we fully surrender ourselves, completely yield ourselves, rid ourselves of all the things of this world that hold us, that bind us, that attach us, and fall on our face and say, Lord, here we are broken vessels. Take us and use us for your glory. We need to pray for the church and the purity of the church. Look at the second verse, verse 2. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all the kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. As we pray for the purity of the church, we need to pray for a move of the Holy Spirit in the church. And it is a move of righteousness. There's so many things, if you look at the church today, there's so many things that can be done in the church. And many churches are organized like well-oiled businesses. The pastor being the CEO, some of the associate pastors being the executive vice presidents, and we run them like organizations. And you've heard this, the church is not an organization, it's an organism. But I want to take that further. See, there is no CEO pastor. The pastor is the primary servant. He is the one that is to serve. And so we need a move of the Holy Spirit, a move of righteousness, as it says in verse 2. And why? So that the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness. Those outside the covenant promises of Christ it's been a shame over the last 30-40 years that they look at the church and they laugh after one scandal after another scandal after another scandal befalls the church but if we have a move of God if that move of God drives us to holiness then the righteousness of God shall shine Forth. And what will they say? What will the Gentiles say? What will the world say? What will the atheists say? They're going to be forced to confess. And they're going to be forced to confess that these are the people of God. The people of God. Oh my goodness, don't we want the world, to say that we are the people of God, not to draw attention to us, but to bring all the glory to God, bring all the glory to Christ. People are walking around saying they're saved, living in sin, seeker-friendly has now become sinner-friendly in the church. But for the church to return to its purity, and that can only come as we beseech God, for a genuine move of his spirit. E.M. Bounds made this statement. 
God's greatest movements in the world have been conditioned on and continued and fashioned by prayer. God has put himself in these great movements just as men of prayer, persistent, prevailing, conspicuous, and mastering prayer has always been brought, has always brought God to the present. One of the things I'm very thankful for is the vision of Stephen Lee and as he started this united prayer group. And I love that I see so many of you that are here that we come out and we pray and we pray. And I remember when we first started praying, the prayers were very traditional. You know, pray for Aunt Tilly. She stubbed her toe coming out of the shower. And, 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 and pray for this one that's sick and pray for that one that's sick. But as we have progressed, we are hearing and feeling the burden of God upon God's people. Lord, we're desperate. Lord, we need you. Lord, you must intervene. Lord, cleanse us. Lord, use us. Lord, revive your church. Awake your church. Listen, there's no, there's no time to waste. I don't, I don't know if we fully grasp that. There's no more time. The foolishness. The self-absorption. Listen, the pride and the hubris that is in the church. There's no more time for this, folks. We need to get real with the Lord. We need to be pleading with the Lord. I always like to say, it is through prayer, it's through persistent, prevailing, conspicuous prayer that God moves. But before that, there's got to be a burden. There's got to be an urgency. We have to desire it. We need to be like that importunate neighbor whose friend came by at midnight and said, oh, you want bread? I'll get you some bread. And went over to his neighbor and said, hey, hey, I need some bread. And the guy's like, go away, go away. You know, I'm already in bed. I have my chill. No, 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 no. And he knocks and he knocks and he knocks. And we need to remember the words of our Lord. How is it that you being evil know how to give good gifts? How much more shall the Father give the Holy Spirit Amen. to them that ask? We have to have a burden, folks. We can't walk around like we're good and the heck with everybody else. We need to have a burden. We have been praying now for 659 days, if I got that correct. Math has not been my strong suit, but I think I got it correct. And as the prophets and the disciples pray, as the church fathers prayed, so must we. And we must vehemently believe God. We must vehemently believe God. So we pray for the church's purity. We pray for a move of the Holy Spirit. And the third element I want to point out here is we must pray with a stubborn persistence 
for revival. Look at verse 3. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal royal diadem in the hand of thy God. I started out by saying that Israel was in a dark place. But the prophet says, hey, I'm going to continue to push forward. I'm going to continue to go forward. I'm I'm not going to rest. I'm going to press. I'm going to press. I'm going to press. And here he says, he gives them a vision. What, What will that look like? What will that look like? We press in. We believe God. What is that going to look like? He said, thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, lastly, we pray until God revives or we die. We pray until God revives or we die. Not ritualistic prayer, but rather passionate prayer. Born born from a burden from the soul. The objective is to see the church revived. The church holy, the church right, advancing into a dark world. We have to be burning to the point, as the prophet states, that we will not hold our peace. We will not rest. I like to say this a lot of times. We need to pray. I use this term, I call it guttural prayer. Not not prayer in the gutter, but prayer that comes out of the gut. A burden that you almost regurgitate. Persistent, pesky prayer. We need to have that stubborn, stubborn persistence that demonstrates a persevering faith. Listen, we've all heard of the times and we've heard of the great men in the church history. We know of Huss and Luther and Calvin We know of Whitcliffe and Edwards, Wesley. Matter of fact, the impact of their ministries impact the church to this very day. Does it not? But we need to now seize the opportunity that is before us and cry to the Lord. Listen, I am praying I have been praying. I know many of you have been praying that these next two days are not just to sit and get good Christian doctrinal data off of these great men. God has to move. God has to move. In verse 1, we saw that for Zion's sake, he will not do it. Look at how 62 closes. Here, here's the ultimate vision. You want, to, you want to see what revival looks like? You want to see what the impact of revival is going to be? Here it is. Look at verse uh, 12 of chapter 62. And he says, and they shall call them. Notice this. They shall call them a holy people. There's the church revived. There's the church pure. They shall be called the redeemed of the Lord, the redeemed of Yahweh. And they shall be called 
sought out. Not a city forsaken. Many people speak of the church today as a city forsaken. But when the Spirit of God moves across His people, when the Spirit of God comes with authority and power, we will not be a city forsaken. We will be the holy people of the Lord, the redeemed of Yahweh. As this conference begins, it's my heart that we may hear the clarion call of God to bring us in our knees in prayer for this church. And may God fill us with fresh oil, fresh oil from above. May we persevere to see the glory of Christ fill her church again. That we are not a church forsaken, but rather we are a church foreknown by our God. Chosen, beloved, glorious, powerful, declaring the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ with authority that he might present to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should, that it should be holy and without blemish. Amen. As we go to the Lord now in prayer, I pray that the Spirit of God, would you would feel that burden. And let us ask God as we commence this conference, to begin with authority, to begin with power, that the Spirit of God, pray for the speakers that the anointing of God would befall them, that the words, every word uttered, would be of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.